Good Monday morning to everybody and welcome to Coffee and Football with On Texas Football Today. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, we are 12 days away from kickoff for Longhorn Football. The long wait is almost over. Sark, of course, has a presser today at 11. But can y'all believe that we are finally right here? 12 yeah. days, baby. 12 yeah. days. Hey, and we're six days away from the start of college football season. That's the other thing. Notre Dame kicks off the season Saturday, I think, in the UK. Then you have uh, USC Saturday night. So it's going to be a great uh, weekend to get a first look at the Marcus Freeman year two, Lincoln Riley year two, but 12 days away from Texas kickoff. I love seeing all these good mornings from Corpus Christi, Louisville. LaGrange, I mean, there's been so many rolled through. Thank you, all you guys, man. That is awesome to see every morning. Uh, Thailand, I mean, wow, I think I need to come do a uh, show there. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, man, this is, this, I, I'm so excited to waking up this morning. Shamrock, Texas, there you go. Waking up this morning 12 days away. Hey, guys, I got to say this. Uh, to, I, I will bemoan the fact that if USC and Notre Dame are leading off the, the college football season, those are two of my least favorite teams, by the way. Well, they said <laughs> purpose. I, Notre Dame broke my heart so bad in like when I was eight years old, seven years old, whenever it was Texas lost in the cotton bowl, lost a chance at a na national championship. I, I, even though I've been up there and I have a great respect for their program and, and some of the people up there, I still can't get over it. And I'm, 53 years old now. <laughs> hey, hey, the big question is, is, does Hawaii already have to start traveling to Vanderbilt for this game? I mean, when do you leave if you're in Hawaii to play in Nashville, Bobby? <laughs> I have no clue. There's no direct flights, I can tell you that much. Hey, uh, Jerry, I, I wanted to get to you. Uh, you wrote an article today uh, for Inside Texas. Blake has that. Let's talk a little bit about that. We need to talk some of the scrimmage. I, I think that's a big piece of what we need to kind of hit on. Uh, also, uh, Blake and, and Jerry, Steve Sarkeesian goes to the mic today at 11 a.m. Yeah. And one thing that, that we talked about that we expect him to, to comment on, now maybe there's been some nuances or changes, but as of late Sunday, we did not know of any major injuries that came out of the scrimmage. Correct. Okay? That happened on Saturday. So, Brett... Uh, you know, we hope that that is confirmed by Steve Sarkeesian this afternoon or this morning. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what what comes out of this week, because now we talked about this from the very start. This is the week where it goes from uh, it goes from everybody's trying to figure out who's who and what's what to now. It's I mean, I hate to use this term, but it's it's. Uh, it's nut cutting time, right? Yeah. It's time where you, you figure out who's going to play first team, second string. The coaches are in that buckle down mode is the best way to put it, where they're trying to figure out who's going where and, and what. Uh, so it is a it is a, a very interesting piece uh, for for that as well. Uh, well by way, first first day classes at UT today as well. So a lot of parking tickets going out today. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, by the way, Texas move and Jerry, that's important. Yep. Texas moves in the when they go in the guys are back in school, they practice in the morning. Yep. No afternoon practices from here on, morning practices only. They may do a walkthrough on Fridays for home games, but everything everything else is a morning practice for Texas from here on. 
Uh, Jerry, you did mention, or Bobby mentioned, that you had an article this morning, five most important Texas Longhorns this season. I'm just going to go down the list real quick. You had yours, Catalan, Collins, Ford, and Banks. Why, you know, elaborate a little bit for those that haven't read the article on why you chose those, and then we'll let Bobby weigh in. So there's the most important positions going into a season for a team. And I, I look at this for a maximization. How does Texas maximize the 2023 season? Quinn Ewers is obviously number one because he's a second-year quarterback that has a chance to improve a lot. If he was a third, second going into third-year quarterback, he might not even be one on the list if he's already really established, right? Um, he's number one on the list because he's got some improvement to make, and I think he'll have a really big year. And so he's number one on the list, obviously. Two is Jalen Catalan, and I put Catalan two guys because – I think he's the best. He, if he's healthy, he may be the best playmaker on the Texas defense, and that's saying something. That's a rare for me to say. He's also the only freshman All-American on the defense. He is a different level college football player, Bobby. Jerry, I, hey Jerry, this is the point that you're making. Kelvin Banks was the only freshman All-American for Texas last year. That's right. That's right. Just, just make if 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 fans can make that connection in their head. This is not. Just a guy that got added to the defense if he's healthy. I'm sorry to interrupt. This is a guy that his the one season he was 100% healthy at Arkansas. He had 99 tackles and three interceptions, four calls, fumbles, I believe. I mean, he created seven turnovers, I think it was. And he had 100 tackles in the SEC West in his first year playing major college football. He did redshirt. Uh, three, I went with Alfred Collins. And I know y'all start the jokes on the comments. I'm here for it. But the reason I went with Alfred Collins is this. The D-line lost Coburn and Ojimo, right? They had some losses. So somebody's got to step up. I think Byron Murphy's going to be obviously a better player than he was last year, and he's headed to the NFL soon. Tavondre Sweat, back for another year. I think those guys are more known quantities. You know what to expect from them. Alfred Collins is the wild card. If he actually plays to a third-round NFL grade pick type of uh, – uh, if he plays on that level finally, then this defense goes to another level because he's a rare 6'5", 317-pound guy that can be disruptive on the interior. Then when you don't want to put him at, at the five and have a three-man front, he can be disruptive there too. He's got unreal length. There's a reason the NFL loves this guy, even though he hasn't produced like it. So he's three because that helps you maximize your defensive line. Um, and because Trill Carter, I think you know what you're going to get from him as well. Uh, four is Jalen Ford. And I put Ford there. One, he's the leader of the defense. He's the Big 12 preseason player of the year. His experience around inexperienced players, whether it's freshmen coming in at linebacker or guys like David Benda who have played but don't really have ideal game experience, his play is huge helping all those guys, making everybody better. Um, and he also a playmaker. I'm looking for playmakers on defense. I think Catalan and Ford are the two best, and I think Alfred Collins could be a playmaker. Um, then the other thing is he's Ford maybe one or two on my list of players who can't get injured this year. His health is vital to Texas. And then five was Kelvin Banks. Look, Kelvin Banks is a freshman All-American. There's going to be more put on the offensive line's plate this year. If you're going more 11 personnel and you're going more three wides, you're going to have a running back as your chip help most of the time, because Jatavion Sanders is going to be in the routes. So your pass protection becomes vital this year. If Kelvin Banks plays like an All-American in year two, that's going to make Quinn Ewers a much better quarterback in year two. So I think he – and he is the ringleader on the offensive line. 
He is the leader of that group. And if you're if those guys play at a near maximized level, I think Texas is gonna have a really, really good season. Hey, Jerry, I saw this comment here from David Williams, uh, and he says, I view defensive tackle on defense and tight end on offense as the most important positions. UT has exceptional depth at defensive tackle, no superior depth at tight end. Sanders has to be among the top five most important players. I was just curious, where would you rank him, and what's your thoughts on that? He was actually number six on my list. Um, (laughs) He was actually the first guy out. And I know some people would put A.D. Mitchell or Xavier Worthy. I just think Texas has more depth at wide receiver so they could sustain an injury this year. Uh, J.T. Sanders, if I was making a list of five players Texas can't afford to lose to injury, he's probably number three on that list. Um, so, I mean, there he is an irreplaceable player for sure. If he missed one game due to injury, though, I think Texas is okay because they have more skill talent at wide receiver. Gunnar Helm's a good player. You can change for one game uh, if JT Sanders happened to be out or something for one. If he's out for an extended period of time, that's something totally different. I got to say this. uh, I I don't necessarily agree that tight end is the most important position on offense, though I I do agree that JT Sanders is one of the only players on offense that is irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, There's probably two of those guys, and – uh, JT Sanders, JT Sanders, and Kelvin Banks are the two guys on offense that I view as completely irreplaceable. Yeah, I mean now that doesn't mean I don't think the world of Xavier Worthy, Ad Mitchell, Jonathan Brooks, Quinn Ewers, the backups to those guys have the quality to to still measure up. You go from JT Sanders, even though Gunnar Helm is a solid player, it's just a different kind of weapon. Well, right, and, and you're going to Gunnar Helm and Juan Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that's what I'm getting at. Is 100 yeah, to your point. I, I would add the one guy that I mean, I'm looking at this list, and it's hard to to argue with any of those guys. Byron Murphy. Yeah. Um, you know, we we know that he is disruptive as all get out in practice. Okay, last year he was quasi disruptive. I thought. You know, he, he was definitely a, an impact player. But from what we're hearing behind the scenes, Jerry, he has to become – we need a little bit more production out of him now that Coburn and Ojomo are gone. Yeah. And so keep that that guy in, in mind as well uh, as we as we look at this because all in all, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Hey, guys, I want to mention something that happened over the weekend. And uh, Bill Little, uh, the former SID, a guy that I grew up knowing – uh, very well passed away. Uh, he was a longtime SID for the University of Texas. Uh, we're thinking about him and his family uh, this week, uh, just so you guys know. Really, uh, uh, he mentored so many people that went through the Texas Sports Information Department, Blake and, and Jerry. I can't, I mean, hundreds, because each, the SID's office had seven or eight student assistants for 50 years or 40 years that he was there. So just think about the hundreds of people that he ran through. They ended up becoming, I mean, some of them lawyers and doctors and all that, but also important news media people around the state and even around the country as well. So uh, our thoughts uh, go out to him. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, get to some questions here. And don't forget, y'all have plenty of time to get those questions in and feel free to ask away. And we're going to start off with a uh, super chat. 
from Travis Earls. Thank you, Travis. He says, if Jordan Ross picked Texas, how would that affect Danny Okoye, Zena, and Solomon? Any chance we could still snag one of those three? Yeah, I think uh, so. Jordan Ross out of Estavia Hills, four-star edge prospect. He announces his decision today. You know, look, I mean, I, I can tell you guys, Texas would accept the commitment from Jordan Ross. We reported that on Inside Texas last week. Just heard so much Tennessee chatter. And doesn't mean an upset can't happen here. Uh, we're going to be double-checked, triple-checking on that here coming up after the show uh, as, as we lead into that decision. But I, I think right now there's just so much more Tennessee chatter. If Texas won out for Jordan Ross. Um, yeah, I think Texas would sign three edges in this class for sure. Um, so, I mean, if Colin Simmons is already in the boat, if Ross kind of did the unexpected and picked Texas, then you'd have two. I definitely think there's a spot for one more. Now, do the numbers catch up with you on one of those three guys? Possibly. We'd have to see on that, Bobby. Hey, J Jerry, last night on the, the live stream we did, uh, you got to ask this question on the Inside Texas message boards. Where does Texas stand with Danny Okoye out of Tulsa, Zena Umiozulu out yeah. of Allen, of course, Neto's brother, and then Solomon Williams, who's a little bit of a latecomer, but we've been talking about him here. He's the defensive end out of the Tampa area that Texas yeah. is bringing in for an official visit. Yeah, yeah. So Danny Okoye will officially visit or schedule to Oklahoma for their season opener. That's a big official visit for Oklahoma, considering his mom's expected to make that trip. Because I think early on, when this process started for him, Oklahoma was his top school and Oklahoma State was probably two where his mom and family ties are. Then Oklahoma kind of went away. You know, we we talked to Josh McCushion of the uh, Oklahoma site with uh, on three. And he said, you know, Oklahoma kind of went away there for a while. And I agree with that from what I heard. And now they're kind of come back a little bit. So that official visit September 1st weekend, I think is a big official visit for Texas, Tennessee, Bama, the people that are going after Koye. What does the mom think? That'll be her first visit she's been on in this process. He's scheduled to be at Texas September 16th and Tennessee the 30th. Will he go anywhere in between? There, we haven't heard any dates. Uh, Zena, Zena, I think it's still Texas recruitment to lose, but the longer it goes on, the more confidence AM or Oklahoma, Oregon, some of those others will have. Uh, he was at AM the last weekend in July. I really think uh, uh, Neto's. Uh, how he plays this year, how happy Neto is this early this season is going to be impactful there. Solomon Williams, I'm a huge Solomon Williams fan. Anybody that's a member of Inside Texas knows that. I brought up this name in the spring after being down in Florida. I think he is a big-time pass rusher. He may only be 6'2", 250. I don't care. The guy knows how to rush the passer instinctively. He's got great bend, explosion, long arms, strong hands now. Um, I think Alabama was the leader coming out of the summer for him. He went on official there in mid-June. He's going to be in Tuscaloosa for the Alabama-Texas game. He also remains in contact with Texas, and it's really P PK that's talking to him and the high school coach at Carrollwood Day, who I spoke with late last week about an official visit this fall. A&M and Oregon are also possibilities for an official this fall. I think Alabama, if they really push to get him in the boat right now, they might be able to do it. We'll see. Uh, but he's going to be in Tuscaloosa on the ninth, and he's looking at coming back to Texas this fall for an official. Hey, Jerry, one more piece uh, on recruiting that I want to ask you to get out of the way. You put in an RPM for DeAndre Carter yeah. uh, out of modern day to go to Auburn. Uh, does that mean that you think Texas? this is the offensive lineman that's a teammate of Brandon Baker, the tackle that Texas remains in heavy contact with, 
Does, does this mean, to your opinion, that Texas is done with DeAndre Carter? Because Texas didn't get him on an official visit yet. Yeah, he's scheduled for uh, Kansas game September 30th. Even if he picks Auburn um, on the third, Texas won't back off. These guys don't back off their targets now. We know that. So they'll, uh, Texas will keep fighting. Kyle Flood, Sark will stay in that fight. Uh, to try to get DeAndre Carter on campus if he does commit to Auburn September 3rd. So that's kind of what you think. You think it's likely he commits to Auburn, but te- Texas commit- continues to recruit to get him in on an official visit? It would surprise me if he committed to Texas having not made an official, having been on campus, and having not been on campus since January. He made June official visits to Michigan State and Auburn. So it would surprise me. I've been surprised before, but I, that's where I'm at right now. I think Auburn's the favorite headed into his announcement here in, what, 13 days. All right, guys. Well, hey, before we move on, Bobby, you had some big news about on Texas football come out last night. And uh, now that the cat's out of the bag, I'd like you, for those that may have missed it, to reiterate that news. Yeah, very happy to to announce that Rod Babers has joined on Texas football. Uh, It's not full time. He has a morning gig from 6 to 11 a.m. on uh, an Austin radio show. But Rod is one of uh, my personal favorites in this industry, someone that I grew up with a little bit. I mean, I was, I think, 26 or 27 when Rod Babers was 17 and going through the recruiting process. I covered Rod as a recruit. Jerry covered Rod as a recruit. So we go back 30 years uh, almost. Jeez, that's uh, that's just horrible. Um, uh, But anyways, Rod joined us last night for live streams. He's going to be joining us on uh, live streams in the evening. Uh, He also is joining us, uh, like today, we're doing a piece on some Texas talent evaluations uh, on the current team, we're going to meet. He and I are going to do that. He's going to have a weekly show with Jerry that's just talking ball with a guest. Uh, and then uh, we also hope that he's going to do something with uh, Ian Boyd and potentially Paul Wadlington. And, and what he's going to do there is talk football strategy and X's and O's and kind of get on a chalkboard, uh, which is something that we've been talking about. I try to do with, with Ian a little bit, but I think Rod, frankly, is much better than me at that. And so he's, he and Ian are going to lead that conversation uh, for us. And so uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, one thing I will say about Rod, uh, he wears his colors on his sleeve. He is a Longhorn through and through. And uh, uh, just a terrific guy to know outside of football as well. He's got a baby on the way, by the way, that is due on the day of the Oklahoma game. So <laughs> be, be, be aware of that. He may have some uh, last minute going, you know, going from the state fair down to, to the Austin Women's Hospital for his wife. I uh, can't wait to have Rod on more. He'll uh, join us again this afternoon uh, as well on that uh, talent discussion on the University of Texas. I have seen. I love seeing all these people saying where they're coming at. Randall Rusher said from Bixby, Oklahoma, man, talk about enemy territory. There you go. <laughs> I notice all those guys living in Oklahoma on here saying where they're from. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of Randall Rusher, I want to read his super chat real quick. Bear with me here. He says, love all the content you guys provide. Hard being a diehard Texas fan up here in Oklahoma. Hook them. We thank you, Randall. We appreciate you and everybody else tuning in for sure. Love all it. right, guys. Well, let's get to some more questions here. Um, this first one from Randy Johnson says, recruiting question. Maybe more is known behind the scenes, but is it worrisome that no one has publicly committed since Colin? Does that say anything about his commitment? Thanks. No, good question. No, it does not. I think um, I think the thing to remember is these guys 
they kind of are in their own lane more so in recruiting now. Part of that has to do with NIL. Part of that has to do with the sped-up calendar. Uh, I think uh, Colin Simmons' commitment to Texas is helping Texas on the recruiting trail. Um, I think it helps with, it helps with Kobe Black. Uh, but these guys are all going to have their own day. They're all going to have uh, – they may have a date in mind that's important for them. It could be birthday for a mom. could be first game of the season. I mean, you know, so you're seeing Dominic McKinley commit on September 1, the day of their game against uh, Lafayette Christian Academy. I mean, so these guys are kind of in their own lane, running their own race, and they have their own dates in mind when they want to do something. But I can tell you that Colin Simmons' commitment absolutely helps Texas on the recruiting trail. All right, there you go. Okay, well, Bobby, you – Wow, are- look at that, Romania. Romania, that's- wow. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Bobby, you recently had Matt Miller, uh, the NFL draft expert, on. And this question has to do with that sort of. E. Kim says, what are NFL scouts saying about the 24 Texas draft prospects and their grades? Yeah, I wanted to, this is one of the things I actually want to talk to Rod about, right, guys? Yeah, because this exactly. is kind of his cup of tea. Um, uh, look, we've, we've all seen draft grades. They, there's a, a couple of lists that are published behind the scenes that are from agents that are from NFL uh, scouts uh, that are not allowed to be shown to the public. Okay. Let's just be clear about that. Jerry and I are privy to, to some of those and have seen them again. They're not published publicly and you're not allowed to say it's this or that. <laughs> um, the Longhorns have more players that are seniors to be on that list than they've had since I think the list has been going, which is about 10 years. Yeah. So uh, that's what I think right now. I think that Xavier Worthy is the the only true first-round grade. They didn't even have A.D. Mitchell because he's only a junior. But they did have Xavier Worthy because he's expected to come out. Jalen Ford was a second, third round. Jade Barron was an end of first, early second round. Um, Who are some others? Well, Alfred Collins, Savondre Sweat were all mid-round grades. Um, interesting, Keelan Robinson's draft grade was that of like a fifth rounder, par- partially due to special teams, which he openly talks about in his press conference, which is very smart, guys. Uh, that is very smart by Keelan Robinson. Ryan Watts had a draftable grade. Uh, Christian Jones had a gr- draftable grade. And it was only the upperclassmen, guys. Like, so like Jonathan Brooks didn't appear on that yet. This will kind of be his year. Um, but yeah, there I there were eight Texas uh Longhorns that were upperclassmen with NFL draftable grades. That doesn't mean all those guys get drafted because that's before upper underclassmen jump in and push some guys to undrafted free agent. But eight draftable grades by the upperclassmen, Texas hadn't had that in a while. Our next question is from Michael M. And he says, How are they gonna keep Manny Muhammad off the field? Hey, you, first of all, don't be don't be shy about trying to pronounce the last name. <laughs> hey, I've butchered enough names through the week, so when I can when I can shorten one up, I do it. It is clearly Mustakakis. Let's get going. He's also from New England. He said in his uh, previous chat note. Hey, um, this is a good opportunity, Jerry, for us to talk about what happened in the scrimmage. Yeah, uh, on uh, Saturday, uh, Manny Muhammad caused another uh, in, another uh, turnover. Uh, the, caused a fumble. He seems to have a knack for doing that. I don't know. And and Rod last night in our our chat talked about something that he wanted to see maybe a little bit more of now that Texas is starting to get the number of DBs that they may need. 
And that's the potential of using more dime coverage as opposed to just nickel coverage, which is their nickel base where Jade Barron is the is the uh is the star, and then you have two corners and two safeties. A dime would be six defensive backs. Um I I, I don't think Rod's wrong. I mean, it could be oh, their yeah. smart, it could be the smart move if your best if you have the defensive front, especially in the Big 12, to stop the run effectively enough, and you play six DBs and the right six DBs are on the field, uh, it's going to be hard, especially, and this is the other thing Rod made made a point of, especially if Texas gets out to a nice lead early because Sark does a great job of game planning early. And then you have you have a, a situation where you can play six D, DBs. Muhammad might be one. Gavin Holmes can rotate in. Ryan Watts, Austin Jordan is having uh, you know a good spring. We talked our fall. We've talked about Jalen Gilbo being back. They've got guys now, Jerry, uh, and that's I don't know how you're going to keep Manny off the field. I don't know how you're going to keep Gavin Holmes off the field. I mean, Gavin Holmes was a two year starter at Wake. He was not a bad player. He was one of the highest rated guys, by the way, among those scouts, uh, higher rated than than uh, some other guys. So I I find it interesting and I'm not sure how they're they're going to do all that. Yeah, look, I, I think if you if you are a playmaker and you're making plays and causing turnovers, which you, what, what Manny's doing is playing right into Sarkeesian's first press conference of the year. We have to find a way to create more turnovers. Well, if Manny Muhammad's creating turnovers, it's going to be very hard to keep him off the field, period. It doesn't work that way. Yep. I mean, it, it, coaches coaches are live, are coaching for their jobs Yep. each and every week. And so if they think a guy can create a turnover a week, as long as he's not busting coverage simultaneously. That's right. That's right. So, and I want to go over this. So uh, a lot of people have asked me, some inside kind of inside baseball at, at Texas. Texas coaches track what they call MEs. Okay. So what does that mean to everybody? An ME is a mental error. So all last year, every freshman and every player, but freshmen in particular, get tabulated every practice on their MEs. And for them, that is a big number because they Coaches can't have that. It's what gets you taken out of a game. Happened to Savion Red last year when he ran a wrong route, right? In game, Texas wants that to be zero. They want it to be zero for everybody in practice. That's one of their gauges to tell if the freshmen are ready. I don't. I haven't heard that about Manny. Uh, he seems natural in coverage. Uh, or Anthony Hill. I mean – you know, the list goes on, right? But yeah. just so you know, they track MEs on just about every freshman, and they communicate it, that to the to the kids as well. Hey, uh, Blake, before you hit the next question, I'll yeah. jump in on a couple of these recruiting questions real quick. You don't have to bring them up. Is the Galveston Ball linebacker 2025 Jonah Williams the top priority for Texas in that 25 class? We'll see. Texas is offered. He was on campus July 27th for the pool party. Texas likes him a lot. I think the key thing to remember for 2025s the evaluation process begins this Thursday. That's when the high school season begins in the state of Texas. So those lists are going to change. Those rankings lists are going to change a lot between now and the end of this uh, 23 season. Uh, because, look, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of offers now, and some of those guys don't always end up 
being the same players a year from now. I think Jonah Williams has a lot of talent, also a very good baseball player. His brother obviously was a cup of coffee player in Major League Baseball, still playing professionally on some level. Uh, but Jonah Williams, is, he can run. He's more of a safety in high school. He's going to be a long, linebacker long term. And Texas is very much in it. But there's they're also evaluating uh, – there's a kid in McKinney, Riley Pettijohn, who's very talented. There's a number of good linebackers in Texas in 2025. All right, guys, we got some super chats here we need to get to real quick. Bomb City Blue Jay, thank you. He says, Rod and Paul together is going to be wild. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, the the vocabulary between those two will be elevated. <laughs> I I would I would tell you that much. I agree. And this next one from my you may, boy, I, you may oh. need a thesaurus to keep up. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> this next one from Michael Williams, guys. He said, "How did you all get started in the recruiting field? When did you know it was the right decision? And when did you know it was going to blow up to be what it is today?" That's a great question. A loaded question for me. I, I started it. Uh, so I was always into recruiting at a young age. Uh, I was into college football at a young age, um, reading magazines. I'd, I'd go to the Houston, I'd go down in the morning in the summers and buy the Houston Chronicle, uh, and then go back in the afternoon and buy the Houston Post from 7 Eleven just to see if there was any recruiting information in the months of November, December, January, uh, that type of stuff. Uh, big fan. Uh, and when I went to Texas, I worked for the football team there. And that's when I really got into recruiting on a more professional level. I was always interested in it, but I'll, I'll give you a guy. Winfred Tubbs, by the way, was yeah. a, a guy that I saw as a high schooler on film while I was working for the University of Texas. And I was like, well, I saw Zach Thomas as a high schooler. Um, out of Pampa and guys like that, just, they floored me to be honest with you. And that, that developed my interest. Uh, and that's how I got into it. When did I know it was going to be what it is today? I, it amazes me each and every week, uh, and day I'm in it. Uh, but probably late 1990s when the internet really came uh, aboard and we started rivals and then to 24 seven, we started that. And now on three, that's, you know, it's been my living for 30 years in part, and I, I absolutely love it because everybody is a new player. When I see a Colin Simmons, for example, right? Jerry talked about Solomon Williams. I, I love my player this year is Christian Clark, yeah, uh, the running back out of uh, uh, Arizona. When, when I see those guys, they they get me a little charged up because I think I'm seeing the next guy that that is going to be a great player for someone. Uh, mine is uh, similar. I mean, my dad was a high school coach for about 40 years in Texas. I grew up as a ball boy on the sidelines and the locker rooms, um, you know, and, and I was always would go sit in the stands on my dad and the coaching staff would scout. Right. Um, I grew up with that. I mean, there were so many memories when my dad was offensive coordinator at Nacogdoches, that district at the time. I, I remember being a ball boy, just a talent. That's back when one team made the playoffs and it was John Tyler. Uh, uh, John, John Tyler, Tyler Lee, Lufkin, Nacogdoches, Longview, Texas High. I mean, it was a, a it was a loaded district. Marshall, Pine Tree, everybody was in that district. And those Friday nights were amazing. Uh, then my dad went over to Pasadena Adobe, was offensive coordinator when Trevor Cobb and those guys came through there. And so I grew up with it. I, you know, it's it, it, similar to Bobby. I remember, you know, watching Casey Hampton in high school and saying, 
I'm not sure I'll ever see a better defensive tackle than this. And to this day, I, I have not on that level. I have not. There's better. There's guys that have been higher drafted, but I've not seen a better player than him to this day at that position in high school. Um, and that's not a knock on some great players being with ESPN and Under Armour game for all those years nationally. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a passion. I love it. I can't wait to get in the car tomorrow and head into Louisiana like I'm going to do after a Tuesday morning live stream. It gets me going. Um, and I, and I love just hanging out with the high school coaches and really kind of, it's the way I grew up. So I'm so comfortable and love it so much. All right. Well, Texas high school football starts this week, guys, but Bobby, this past Friday, you got to jump on the football season. You headed over and watched IMG Academy and Lipscomb. And this next question has to do with that from Antonio Harris. Thanks for the super chat, by the way. He says, IMG linebacker Nix. He's a junior. Are we in on him? I watched the game against Lipscomb. He is in Anthony Hill's talent. Could could not agree more. Yeah, Baller. Texas Texas has offered him. Uh, I don't think he was on campus this summer, but Texas has offered him. They are uh, making an attempt there. They also had a one uh, last name Botang, Jerry. Yeah, that is a baller. They now I will say this, Antonio, and everybody needs to be aware of this. Their linebackers are going to kind of look good. Um, and, and be a little scary because their defensive front is four Division One players, right. and so when you have four down linemen at that level, your your linebackers have a, have a lot of space that they're not necessarily working through. That being said, I still think Antonio Harris is right about Knicks. So so there's a there's a mix there, right? That that has to that has to be leveled out. It's just their linebackers. I worry about being overranked potentially because they don't have, they still have the same responsibilities. It's just a different level whenever you have four guys eating the other team's offensive line for lunch. Right. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm going to do one more Super Chat, guys, just because it has to do with what y'all were just talking about. But Bryson Bass says, I got into college football watching Zach Thomas play at Tech. My dad played ball with him in high school, but seeing Vince play swayed me over. <laughs> that was one of the ones that swayed. I Look, Zach Thomas played for the Pampa Harvesters. Yes. And I'll never forget a Texas uh, defensive coach walked into to the video office. I was in the video department, walked into the video office and handed – me and a guy named Mike Arias. Mike was the head of video for Texas for 30 years. Wonderful guy, much like Bill Little, gave much of his adult life to, to grooming guys that would end up going on and have careers in football or become doctors, lawyers, whatever. The, the, the defensive coach, I think it was Jack Kaiser from Abilene, came in and gave us a tape of a VHS tape of Zach Thomas. And 
he said, he, he literally looked at me and Mike said, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody like him. And we're like, I go, well, who is he? he well, he's a five foot 11, six foot white kid, but God, he makes every play. We put in the film of, of Zach Thomas. It wasn't a highlight film, guys. It was not a highlight film. He made the first six tackles of the game. <laughs> they, they were three and out, three and out. Zach Thomas had six tackles. <laughs> that was that's uh, that's what I remember. Uh, so I agree. My first time seeing Vince Young was uh, I told Jerry this. And I've said this story. I was out at Madison High School, and I was look. At, you know, Madison used to have more players than they do now, Jerry. Yeah, uh, and I was out there, and Ray Seals, the head coach, longtime head coach, looked at me and said, "I think you need to look over there." And Vince was a sophomore. <laughs> He's like, and I was like, "Okay," um, and uh, followed him clearly uh, throughout his time in in Houston. And he was, pe- there are very few people, and I, I want to say this, that are worth the price of admission to a high school football game. Zach Thomas. Derek Johnson, yeah. Cedric Benson, VY, worth the price of admission to a high school football game, in my opinion. I'll never forget when VY Madison beat North Shore in the Dome. They had no business beating North Shore. No business beating that North Shore team. And uh, that was one of those games. I think there were about 35,000 there. that <laughs> You were like, hmm. This is a little different now because they should not have won that game. <laughs> a different breed. Yep. Different breed. All right, guys, let's switch gears and uh, let's do some team-related questions here. This first one from Daryl Calbitz, and he says, how are the young running backs doing with ball security? That's a great question. Um, so that has been an uh, issue that we're trying to look into. We have not heard much about it. I do know that the coaches have actually praised Cedric Baxter in that regard. So I haven't heard about uh, Savion Red. He's, of course, in a green jersey. Jerry reported that. He's still in a green jersey from uh, the shoulder sprain. Uh, Jaden Blue have not heard much there. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, obviously not young. Uh, but uh, I've heard that Cedric Baxter has been doing okay in that regard. So it's not been a negative, for sure. The big piece that that came out of Cedric Baxter over the weekend was he's now running through adult tackles Yeah, again. So first semester this spring, when he came in, he was getting tackled by the varsity, basically first team defense was tackling him as he's grown up. Now he's now starting to break tackles of the first team defense. That, and, and Bob, that is a maturity that, that happens because Jerry, you know, this, he came in in the spring yeah, and got used to that. Well, let's go into that a little more. And I want to say one thing about Setter. Seeing him in high school, and this is true for all the taller backs. If you have good ball security early on in college, that's a really good sign because those guys have long arms. You cannot perfectly uh, fit the football in between your hand and elbow forearm range if you have really long arms. Adrian Peterson, that's why he fumbled. That guy had the strongest hands I've ever shaken in my life. But his arms were so long, you couldn't pocket the football perfectly. So that's a good sign for Cedric if he if he is gets praise for ball skewer. I think the other thing, Bobby, why are you breaking more tackles? I think it's, let's talk about that. What makes a running back play through contact and stay on his feet and keep 
being in position to break tackles. Talk about how important the eyes are, because I think we think about it and we see them drop pads, drop butt, boom, create power. But there's something more important after that contact. You got to look for where you're going next within That's it. Right. And so um, the, the running back, the, the, the best ones are already thinking through that tackle a little bit. So they're going to space and glancing off of it as they hit. Um, the the thing that I like about Cedric Baxter is he's going to have the physique long term that's going to be hard to tackle, and that's that that's a you know heavy waist kind of thing, Jerry. Yeah. Um, you know I, I'm big Cedric Baxter fan. I think that that uh, Steve Sarkeesian wouldn't be mentioning him as prominently in his press conferences as he has uh, if he weren't getting ready to play him almost immediately. Now, does not mean first team. I still believe firmly that Jonathan Brooks is is the guy uh, at running back. But Cedric Baxter is, is a guy. Um, hey, Jerry, want to say one couple things on the receivers uh, about practice. Uh, told that A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and Xavier Worthy all had TDs in that scrimmage. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it all goes. Uh, but uh, Texas should be in good shape on offense, in part because of the skill position talent, like running back, where they have depth and ability. Yeah, and what I was going to add to that, Blake, before next thing is, I was I was getting an eyes up. Your eyes always have to be up. If you when we when we go and evaluate defensive linemen, one of the things a young defensive lineman and some young running backs do is on contact they drop their eyes and head. No different from a quarterback under duress. You got to keep your eyes up down the field, right? So that's the thing with running back. Are you you keep your eyes up through running through contact? That's the only way you're going to be able to repeatedly run through contact. If you drop your head, drop your eyes, you're going to run through the first contact, but the second guy is going to get you. So eyes always up is such a key that's not talked about enough at all these positions, especially evaluating them. All right, our next question while we're on the subject of running backs is from Andrew, and he says, personnel question. With guys theoretically ahead of them so far in camp, what are the chances Savion Red and Jaden Blue contribute on the field this season? I think that that Blue is working a lot of special teams right now. Um, and because of his speed, I think that might be a way for him to get on the field early and then also be a backup of sorts to Keelan Robinson in that kind of boutique running back role that Keelan, that Keelan plays. Not saying that Jaden can't be an every down back or anything like that or won't get reps there. That's how I see him contributing. Red is a little bit different. I actually think Red may be among the most natural football players on the entire roster. Um, and before he got injured and before, you know, he had some things go on in the offseason, he was a promising running back prospect now. Yes. So if he can ever overcome the injury, the issue, any off-field issues that are lingering, he's a different category for me but I don't know where he contributes. Probably not special teams because even though he's a fighter, a natural fighter, somewhat like Jalen Catalan, to be honest with you, I, I don't I don't know that he plays there would be my guess. Uh, just doesn't have the outright speed of some other guys that they're looking for like Keaton Crawford and uh, Keelan Robinson as gunners. I, 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 Blake, somebody's asked this two or three times. You don't have to bring it up. Higher upside Baxter or Jarrett Gibson. I think Baxter has the highest upside of those two backs. 
I think Jarrett Gibson is a compact, powerful guy with quick feet and good vision. I think Baxter has the highest ceiling of those guys. We'll see how it plays out. Well, Jerry, well, let me go ahead and ask you this question then from Kyle V. He says, what's the probability of Baxter being the next Bijan Robinson? One is Baxter, two totally different players. I mean, Bijan's very rare, um, and, and he's not Barry Sanders, but he's rare with that ability to make multiple people miss in, in, in tight spaces. There just aren't many guys like that. Um, that also means you have to stay healthy in the NFL uh, because that's a different game when you're doing that at the NFL level. Guys are moving so fast and so powerful. Um, C.J. Baxter, you know, Bobby, I don't know if somebody, you know, see, um, Larry Johnson, old Penn State Chiefs running back, has been brought up before as a comparison to him. Um, I think somebody said DeMarco Murray. I'm not sure Cedric's that, that much 40-yard dash explosion. Uh, but frame-wise and skill set-wise, there's similarities there. Um, next, Bijan Robinson. I, I'm not going to put anything on a young back like that. Um, but I, I think CJ Baxter is a future NFL draft pick. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a good comp for him right now. I don't have a good one. Well, we have a super chat, guys. And Jerry, they're calling you out. It's from It's Kunu. He says, Dear Jerry, this is the Inside Texas Community High Remediation Department calling to remind you of your expired high warranty. Please rehigh ASAP. I didn't know there was a warranty. Um, <laughs> but look, uh, the high still stands. Uh, when the, the announcement comes, I cannot control. <laughs> <laughs> Just be on the lookout for but it. But I so. wish I could at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Hey this, Rand, hey, this is from Randall. Randall gave us a super chat, guys. I love all the content you guys provide. Hard being a diehard Texas fan up here in Oklahoma. We're here for you. Yeah. Um, you know, that's I appreciate the super chat, Randall. Uh, guys, we this is a, a fun thing for us and hope you guys are enjoying it uh, as well. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, questions. Here's one that I thought was really good. Uh, Blake, that I wanted to put up there from Jose Rodriguez. What is the toughest road game this season? Do we want to put slash outside of Alabama? Yeah. yeah I think Alabama would be yeah. a unanimous, yeah. right, Blake? Yeah. Yeah. Well, doubt. So, so is it, I mean, what is it? Is it, we thought it was going to be Iowa State, but half their team looks like they're going to be. <laughs> that was a perfect trap game three, four months ago. I think it's TCU. Okay. Because I think TCU returns really good players on defense. I think they've got some playmakers on defense. I think they get did very well in the portal, especially at wide receiver. Um, I think they got two quarterbacks that, while they need experience, by the time Texas plays them, they'll have had game experience. I, I'm very interested to see if Chandler Morris can hold off Josh Hoover. Um, I mean, that TCU game's late now. So those quarterbacks will have grown up on the field. All these newcomers for TCU will have grown up uh, in that program on the team. Um, so I, for me, it's easily TCU looking at the at the uh, schedule because I think Baylor's down. I think Houston could have some issues uh, in the front against the Texas, um, and at Iowa State's just not the same as it was. Boy, that Houston game is going to be um, it's going to be interesting, Jerry. Yeah, Houston does not have this huge fan base, but I can guarantee you that they are not happy about the University of Texas right. in many ways. Okay. Um, and so uh, at the same time, there's going to be a ton of Texas fans there because, of course, the large alumni base in Houston. That, that That's an interesting one. TCU, I think from a 
player standpoint, you're right, Jerry. Um, Baylor is not going to be easy either. I think it's interesting. Texas goes on the road to Baylor and TCU uh, and U of H in the final uh, year uh, of the Big 12. I'm sure that the uh, conference schedulers had a little something to do with that. I think what helps with the Houston game is it's a week off after OU. If it was the week after OU, I could see that being a letdown. Yeah, but you have the week off to recharge, get healthier, get refocused after uh, beating Oklahoma again. And um, so, yeah, I, I I think TCU easily for me. And it's you know, it's kind of sad that Iowa State's not because that was what it should have been. <laughs> Happy All birthday. Right. Yep. <laughs> Happy birthday, D. Cruz. He, all he wants is a 10-win regular season. Not too much to ask. Not at all. <laughs> that's that's right, guys, uh, those are expectations, I think. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey uh, Jackson Kelso has an interesting question. All right, let me find it here. Put me on the spot, Jerry. Uh, there you go. Did, did JT ever put up stats like Simmons? If so, what made him switch over to tight end? I like the switch, but I'm just curious. I think that's a great question because Jatavian Sanders coming out was listed as an athlete, and. I was one of those that wondered if his highest upside might be an edge, especially after he committed to Texas because of what Texas needed at the time. Um, but, look, he's a guy. The one thing I will say is if you're an offensive-minded guy, Bobby, we can go way back to Cedric Cormier on this. Some people thought he could be one of the top corners in the country, but Cedric Cormier was an offensive-minded player. And if you're an offensive-minded player, it's hard to force that guy to be a defensive player and then maximize his ability on defense. Um, so did JT ever put up stats like Simmons not rushing the quarterback? No, because he split time. I mean, he didn't play tight end at what Ryan, he played split wide. So that guy was tired a lot of times when he was on defense. I'm not sure how many snaps on defense outside the first possession he was actually ever really 100% for. He was always tired from playing offense. But, no, he was not the pass rusher like Colin Simmons was. He was – even if he had just played defense, I don't see him being a guy that gets 33 tackles for loss and 22 sacks as a junior in high school. And that's not saying anything negative on JT Sanders. He's a hell of a player. Different players. I think the, I think the issue – uh, in my opinion, is offense versus defensive mentality. Yeah. I think you hit it out of the gate. If a guy like that wants to be an offensive player and has the skill set, um, then you need to make him an offensive player. And, guys, I think that's when we look at DJ Campbell's uh, progression, he was unsure after his junior year if he wanted to try to be a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman. I think the people around him had to tell him I know you love defense, but offense is where your highest ceiling is. And so I think DJ had to get used to that thought in his mind. And now you're starting to see that kind of takeover. He knows where his future is. He's had a year in college football. And that was one that DJ Campbell went through as well. And I think he made a really good decision. Well, we talked about that Alabama game a second ago, and I kind of want to go back to that. I'm going to combine two questions here from Corey J. first. It says, it looks like Milrow will be the starter for Bama. Do you guys think if we force him to stay in the pocket and throw rather than allow him to have success with his running ability that we win? But I want to combine it with this question, guys, from Poppy J. Do we have the defense to stop a running quarterback? <clears throat> Sorry. I want to take this because – I, I think Jalen Milrow is a good enough runner that he's going to get his yards. Um, 
I saw him do something. He is the thing about Jalen Milrow is that he is extremely strong. People do not understand how strong he is in the lower body. I I would say that he's Jalen Hurts light in that regard. So just be aware of that. And he has that top end speed. So you're not, even if you want to, he's going to make some plays. So I could see Jalen Milrow. The, the issue with Jalen Milrow, to, to the other person's point, is this. If you keep him in the pocket, how many interceptions does he throw? Right? How many turnovers is are created? And that does that put Bama behind the eight ball later in the game? Um, I, ideally, I think they want to do that. I really do. Uh, but I, I don't know what the, the final, finality of it will be. I think it's going to be so interesting because Texas, I think, wants to play more man this year. But to do that, everybody has to be disciplined in their rush lanes and in their lanes. And against a quarterback that can put his feet on the ground and accelerate and run with the football, you have to be very disciplined in your lane assignments. I think that is going to be so key in that game defensively for Texas. Because I do think they can Texas can play more man against Bama if they want to, because they don't Bama doesn't have the talent to overwhelm you offensively anymore. They're good. They got guys that are going to be drafted, but they don't have four first round draft picks at wide out. And this year have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback coming back or a first pick in the draft level quarterback coming back. There's a difference in that offense now versus uh, three, four years ago. So it's to me, if you're going to play more man, you got to be very disciplined in your lanes. Let's do one more Bama question here, guys. Shy Frazier says, based on last year's game and new pieces in the puzzle now, do you think Sark goes into Tuscaloosa with the same game plan as last year? Boy, his Boy. game plan was good, really good if Quinn doesn't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to argue with that. I, mean, I, think, I think Quinn was going to throw for 400 yards that day because I think you know what Alabama was going to do defensively. They did, They had decided to go man. That's right. Against Quinn Ewers, a guy that that allowed him to just throw it to the open person. Quinn Ewers got in trouble later in the year when people started trying to mess with his head a little bit. That's right. That's that. And, and uh, Nick Saban and Pete Golding, the then defense coordinator at Alabama, walked into DKR and said, we're going to make this guy prove to us that he's got the arm and the ability to hit guys one-on-one. Well, that was clear from, from from moment one of that game. What happened to Quinn as the year went on, teams started saying, okay, we can't just give him that. We can't just line up and beat him. We've got we've to kind of to, to, to outfox him a little bit. And that's where he started having some more problems, in my opinion. Now let's back up one week. Well, I don't think it's going to be the same game plan. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Jay Ward says, will we see a block punt in week one against Rice, possibly a special teams touchdown? I say yes. I say I yes agree. to both, honestly. Bobby, what do you think? I think – I don't know about block punt, but I, I think there might be a punt return for a touchdown. I really – guys, I'm very, very high on where the punt return team and what they can do this year. Too many good athletes. I talked to Rod about this. We talked to Rod about it last night, Jerry. Too many good athletes, good returners. That just watch. It'll show up in in special teams this year. More so than it has the first two years. And Jeff Banks is a pretty darn good special teams coach. No doubt. 
All right, William Niche says, how many games does Texas win by more than 20 points? It's time to dominate. I'm sure we can add Rice as one. Matt, pull that schedule. Uh, I would not, hey, let's let's let's, let's <laughs> not under guys. Do not count chickens before they hatch. I am. I am here we go. I am superstitious, Jerry Hamilton. Rice, do, not do this. Rice, do not. It's, it's it's bulletin board material for no reason. Go, Jerry. <laughs> um, I'll say three in the first few weeks, and I'll leave it alone. Bobby, I won't put you on the spot since you're superstitious. I am. I, I don't like these questions. <laughs> I, Moving I like on. Snipping of me ending up in somebody else's, you know. That, look, my my thought is I do believe that William's right uh, about this. Uh, there will be times this year that are more frequent than they have been. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I mean, I Texas has some guys, man. And they should dominate a few games, like literally dominate. They have not dominated games, uh, except for, of course, that one in, I don't know, the Cotton Bowl. That was pretty nice. Um, yeah, was didn't have to worry about the second half of that game, did you? Everybody was just <laughs> drinking their drinking their, their beer and enjoying a Saturday, after not, a Saturday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that one. Bob, right. I'm going to shut down the video, but my my face was going to disappear from the screen while I was talking for about three minutes. Pair one says, Bobby, Jerry, who would you put in the jumbo goal line package on the offensive line? Put Murphy or Sadir in there oh, from yeah. the defensive line as lead blocking back. Murphy for sure, not Sadir. Uh, Murphy's already in there. Yeah, for sure. So let, let's – good good question. They've already – I believe in part they've already made that decision because it's yeah. a carryover from last year. Uh, so that shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, the other question, though, Jerry, that, that's interesting is who's going to get this? You know how last year Andre Karich was the yeah. second tight end? They're going to do that again this year sometimes. Now, will they use it as frequently as they did a year ago? I seriously doubt it. Okay. But we're hearing Malik Ogbo in that role. Uh, primarily right now. We're also hearing about potentially Neto Umiozulu in that role, Hayden Connor. They're looking to do all kinds of funky stuff. Yeah. Uh, because they have the personnel right now to get that accomplished. So look for it all uh, is, is my my thought process. But from the back uh from the uh, uh backfield standpoint it's uh it's Byron Murphy. Uh, I, think Barry, I think Jerry's either asleep or frozen on the screen right now. Guys. I think he froze. That's a flattering picture. Somebody needs to screenshot that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on Inside Texas, I'm sure, in a moment. All right, let's move on then, Bobby. Uh, S. Javery, I hope I'm saying that right, says, how does the 23 interior D-line compare to the 2005 D-line? So if 2005, Larry Dibbles, Frank Oakham, uh, Derek Loki, I think was on that one. You guys, I need some help on that. Uh, who all was a part of that? Um, probably more NFL guys on this one. Uh, Sweat is an NFL guy, Murphy, NFL, Collins, if he plays up to what we're hearing, NFL guy, Trill Carter may get some time in that regard. Sadir Mitchell is destined for that so long as he keeps working hard. More NFL guys. 
Sorry, uh, my screen went out for a second. So if I missed anything. So yeah, we, we made fun of you a little bit, actually. Uh, <laughs> hey, Jerry, think back to this 2023 interior D-line compared to the 20, 2005 D-line. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's more NFL talent. I, I, the one thing that was interesting about that team is Rod Wright. Um, that was the other one. I missed Rod Wright. Darn they, had some, they had some experience size in there. You know, Ocam. Larry Dibbles was a good uh, player off the bench for Texas on that team. You had Roy Miller, youngster. I mean, that – I don't know. I think about it now. I think that 2005 team was probably a little more talented. Although, you know, look, Rod Wright was a seventh-round pick, right, or sixth or seventh-round pick. I don't know that it, the, the 05 interior D-line was more talented. It would be interesting. I think this one is. Yeah. I do. They don't have, they don't have, they don't have a Sadir Mitchell – Right. Frank Oakham was, is, while good, was not a, was not a. Uh, Andre Sweat level as an NFL prospect. Not, exactly. Yeah. Roy. Now, Mitchell. now the the difference though, the edges. Yeah. Oh yeah. They are not. The Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke at this stage are not Tim Crowder, uh, and and uh, Brian uh, Brian Robeson. The Rock Poe off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is a big big distinct difference. Now, y'all mentioned Sadir Mitchell. David Williams says, Bobby, Jerry, do you both think Sadir Mitchell will actually be among the three deep, as was mentioned in the report on defense last week, or just be utilized on short, short yardage and goal line situations? Now nah, he's run. He's got some second team reps at nose guard in, in the scrimmages. So I, I now is that when they're in the big jumbo front now for Collins is playing outside? Probably so. Um, so it, it is dependent on that but yeah i think sadir mitchell's absolutely going to be in the three deep and i think he's absolutely going to play um because here's the there's it's two part one he may be as tough to move as any defensive lineman texas has when you line up over the ball uh he can only play about three snaps in a row he's a freshman but two you have to get him ready for next year you have to get him ready for next year that this is important time on the field for him this year uh getting ready for next year when you're going to lose sweat Alfred Collins and maybe Byron Murphy. I, I you know who we didn't even mention? Aaron Bryant or Jure Bledsoe. Oh, Bledsoe's coming on. So let's that's why I think I'm pretty sure yeah. there's more talent on campus now than back then. Because even even though those guys are, I mean, look, there's one there's two words you can't take away from those guys. National champion. Yeah. So they're held in a different regard, and I think that's fair. I do think this this defensive the defensive tackle and nose tackle group is more talented and, and deeper uh, overall. Uh, we got a super chat here from Jamie Vega. He says, "Less than question, more statement. Y'all are the best in the business. Keep up the wonderful content. Hook them." Thank, Thank you, Jamie. Jamie. All right, we appreciate that, Jamie. We're trying, man. That much I can assure you, we're trying. <laughs> All right, Julio Castillo says, which true sophomores besides Banks do y'all feel will contribute this year? A great question. Uh, DJ Campbell at right guard. Uh, Cole Hudson um, at, at right guard. Center, kind of Swiss Army knife on the offensive line. Very good player. Neto um, battling at left guard. Cam Williams, the backup right tackle. Possibly left tackle in game if there was an injury. I think Trevor Goosby's had a good fall camp, but you know, uh, Cam Williams might get the nod at left tackle there for experience if they needed him for a period of time. Um, 
Let me take the defense. I'll take the defense for you, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. All right. Ethan Burke, starter. Yeah. True sophomore. Aaron Bryant, going to be in the rotation at some level. Defensive tackle. Uh, Terrence Brooks, starter at corner. Uh, B.J. Allen will play. So, what is that, 10, 12 guys out of that class yeah. already? Yep. That, look, that that I think the – and Jerry hit – we knew this when it happened – all those offensive linemen you just heard about, that's part of the pancake factory. Yeah. And they, Kyle Flood hit a home run with that group. We said it when it happened. We said it the very first practice. We saw all those dudes together because it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, that four or five of those offensive linemen are going to play in the NFL. Correct. I'm just, I just, in that in of, of itself is just such a, change from from texas historically in the last decade that it's just kind of it's almost absurd okay hey, cliff, great oh, go, ahead, go ahead no you got it go ahead Blake. okay <laughs> cliff paul 21 says will spencer shannon develop into a good receiving threat seems like the consensus is that he'll be a great blocking tight end but not a lot of talk on his receiving upside um you know i i watched him quite a bit actually in the open practices he does not have that burst as a receiver. So he's he's slow to get off a little bit. At the same time, I feel like he's got some dog in him <laughs> as a blocker. Like he he doesn't mind the extra elbow <laughs> going in. And so I can see why Sark kind of liked him uh, in that role. Uh, I think he's going to be good as a blocker. I don't know that he has great receiving upside, although I do think he has good hands. I, I just don't know that he has that quickness to create separation. Okay, our next question here from Adrian Menjeres. I hope I'm saying that right. Do we see Vosick and Burke on the field at the same time? Does Akana see the field? So Akana's listed at 209 pounds. I think that was that was kind of the key with Akana. We'll get to the, the uh, Vosick and Burke in a second. But Akon, even though he's 19 and a half years old, a little old for freshman, the fact that he wasn't an early enrollee, I think put him a little bit behind in the physical development department. He came comes in as a guy that can rush the passer naturally, sometimes called a designated pass rush specialist by college coaches. Uh, but do we see him on the field this year? We have not heard enough um, to be able to say yes. I, I, I'd be surprised if it's more than the four games and he still gets his red shirt year. Vosick Burke on the field at the same time. They're playing the same position, Bobby. So I think that might be a, a little tough one right now. But I do think the key, I think Vosick will be in the rotation as long as he uh, keeps uh, beating those little nagging injuries he's had since he got on campus. Okay, let's see here, guys. We got time for just another question or two. Uh, and I, I just had one that I wanted to ask y'all, and now I cannot find it. So bear with me here. Um, oh, where did he go? Real quick, Bobby, I did want to touch on this one. Corey J, is the team now preparing for Rice while I find that question? Yes, absolutely. And also, I, I didn't mention uh, Jalen Gilbo or Justice Finkley. Thank you, David Williams, for, for uh, you, David. those yeah. true, true sophomores out. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what Sark says today about this. I definitely think they will put some stuff in midweek for Rice at the very least. So let's let's be clear about that um i don't know what that will look like though uh, rice apparently is more of that traditional power team 
Uh, he's come from uh, the coach comes from the Jim Harbaugh tree. Uh, very difficult to, to create that at a school like Rice, but apparently that's what they're trying to do. Uh, so we'll see exactly what what Texas is going on when they do that. Okay, guys. And the last question for today, because I cannot find the one that I was going to ask y'all at the very end. But Wayne Watson says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important are halftime adjustments to the outcome of games? I think they're an 8. I'd go, I'd go 7. Because half these games, Jerry, are decided by, by halftime nowadays. You know, and, you know, I don't know. I Look, I and I, this was interesting. Rod and I and you had this discussion last night, Jerry. Yeah. Right? About how Sark has not been good necessarily. And I went a little bit different direction. He wasn't good the first year and a half. I thought he got better from the middle of last year to the end of last year. You Agreed. think back to Baylor. Yeah. Great halftime stuff. Kansas State, after they Kansas State figured out what they were trying to do in the third quarter, he came back with a really good fourth quarter. Um, so my opinion on that is a little bit different in that I think that part of it is his team is growing up. I agree. And part of it is him understanding who his team is. Uh, so, hey, we need to grab these last two guys. Yeah, uh, hearing Expectations uh, for the inside OL. Right now, it's DJ Campbell at right guard, uh, Jake Majors at center, and Hayden Connor at left guard. That being said, we believe that there is a real battle at left guard. DJ Campbell appears to have taken that job at right guard. We'll see if Sark, what Sark says today. But if they go right now, I'm interested in what happens at left guard. I do think that uh, I do think that it'll matter in some respects uh, for pass protection. That might be where Hayden Connor early in the season is better than the other guys in pass pro. And kind of follow up David Williams at the same time asked us 342 too much weight for Devon Campbell. I don't I, I, look, I don't think it is after seeing him in person. He'll probably be 335 after August practices, right? How could you not be? Uh, but uh, no, he looks great physically, David. I and mean, he's moving uh, as well or better than he did in high school that way. All right, guys, last super chat right here from Brandon Morgan. He says, as a young, lifelong Longhorn fan, I really appreciate the content you guys provide for us. It's the best on YouTube. Well, Brandon, we appreciate it. On that note, Bobby, why don't you tell everybody what to expect this today and this week? Yeah, absolutely. So, first of all, thanks, Brandon. Join us on Inside Texas as well, guys. Uh, If you're not on there, that's it's the best subscription uh, out there. Most news, uh, best most in-depth news by far. It's not really close, in my opinion. Uh, but also, uh, later today, we've got our, the roundup with Justin Wells. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, recruiting information there that he's gathered on Terry Bussey, some other guys uh, as well, uh, as well as some news that he got from the scrimmage. Uh, then I'm going to talk to Rod later today, uh, talk about what he thinks of the talent on the roster. We're going to kind of go position by position and see who he thinks are future NFL Longhorns. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank all of our Super Chats. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. And head on over to InsideTexas.com, as Bobby said, for the latest and greatest on all things Longhorns and Longhorn coverage. And, uh, yeah, for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.
Yep. Tomorrow. Let's do it.